All Saints Day, which is today what we're celebrating. Technically, it was Monday or uh, Wednesday on November 1st, but we are celebrating this today. Is about remembering the people who have believed in God the Father, Yeshua the Messiah, and have fashioned their lives based on this belief. Fashion their lives also on the laws of God and of the teachings, the examples of those who have gone before us, the passion of Jesus, God's only Son, who was fulfilled, uh, faithful to provide access back to God for those who believe in Him. Scripture talks about many saints and witnesses to the faithful, uh, to the faithful of God in keeping His promises. This is seen through their behavior, their acts, their words, um, and their lives. These men and women are not perfect, but they are seen as righteous before the Lord. I would like to look at a few examples in this, in the past and present, and then I would like to look at an example of those who will be witnesses in the future. So as we look at the past, we start in the book of Genesis, chapter 23, and there are many, but I'm only going to focus on one. You at the, uh, the Disciple Center should be very familiar with the story. This is the story of when Sarah, Abraham's wife, passes away, and how Abraham's behavior is a testament to his belief and faith in God. So the story of Abraham, you guys know, uh, goes something like this, Abraham and, or Avram and Sarai. Um, at God's bequest, travel from Mesopotamia, the city of Nahor, and they end up in Canaan. Um, They don't know where they're going. They just know that God is going to show them where to go. So they travel, um, and they end up at Canaan at the direction of the Lord. Abraham, over his life, went to war a few times, and when coming back, he gives offering to the Lord through Melchizedek, uh, who is in the line of uh, Jesus. So there's no, end, no beginning, no end of him spoken, and keeps no spoils for his own household or for himself. Due to not wanting any of the credit to be made that makes him wealthy to go to anywhere but God. He had to wait several years for a promised son to be fulfilled. He tried to help along the way. Um, that wasn't a good idea. Caused more issues. He also, at different times, um, departed or disobeyed God and went to Egypt twice and deceived the ruler there because he was afraid of being killed due to his, the beauty of Sarah, his wife. By this act, he put the promise, of, uh, the promise of the son in jeopardy. But God was faithful when Abraham was not. God provided a way. Abraham also, before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, entertained angels of the Lord. He, also commanded, he was also commanded to sacrifice his son of the promise. But again... God provided a way. And when Sarah died, we get to Genesis 23. Now Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kirath Arba. This is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. 
And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham rose from before his, uh, his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Stranger meaning he is not of their blood lineage. Sorry. Lost where I was at. Okay, sojourner among you. I am a... Um, Give me a burial site among you that I uh, may bury my dead out of my sight. The sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord! Uh, hear us, my lord! You are a mighty prince among us. Look what God has done with him. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish for me to bury my dead out of, the, of my sight, hear me. And approach Ephraim, um, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, which is at the end of his field, for the full price let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. Now Ephraim uh, was sitting among the sons of Heth, and Ephraim the Hittite answered Abraham and um, in the hearing of the sons of Heth, even of all who went in at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham uh, bowed before the people of the land, and he took the offering, right? Not Abraham. That's not his pattern. He spoke to, this, uh, to Ephraim in the hearing of the people in, of the land, saying, If you will only please listen to me, I will give you the, the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Then Ephraim answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me, a piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between me and you? So bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephraim, and Abraham weighed out, the, um, out for Ephraim the silver which he may, uh, had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, commercial standard. So Ephraim's field, which was in Machpelah, uh, which faced Mamre the field and cave which is in it, and all the trees um, which were in the field that uh, that were within it, all of the confines of all of the borders which decide, uh, deeded over or were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the uh, presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field at Machpelah. Facing memory, this is Hebron, that is Hebron in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site for the sons of Heth. So Abraham was so respected that the men of Heth wanted to give him the burial plot. Abraham would only accept it if he was able to purchase it for whatever the price was quoted. This is the same burial plot. I want you to be aware of the Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph were buried in. 
along with Sarah and their, their families. Joseph being carried out of Egypt 400 plus years later. They were all buried due to their belief in the resurrection. Abraham, his entire life, he struggled and he succeeded and he struggled and he succeeded and he trusted God. And that is his witness. Who are the saints in the present? It is us, not just us, but Christian, believing Christians and Jews. And I might include those who, for the purpose of this message, were very recent, uh, recently have passed, who lived among us, who trained us, who brought us up in the faith, like those that we are honoring today. John 3, 1 through 3 says, uh, this is the story of the dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. And it says, in that dialogue, Jesus tells Nicodemus that we are to be born again. We are to be born into a faith, born into a real belief in Jesus as Messiah, and be trained and taught, uh, learning to take God seriously at all that he says, which will affect our thoughts and behaviors. Um, I kind of look at this, that sometimes, you know, I grew up in a church that somebody would get saved and they wouldn't necessarily train them. They would just put them to work because their enthusiasm would bring people in, but there's no substance behind it to hold it to, to in a sense, raise the next generation. So I kind of look at that as like taking one of the kids. I'm going to pick on you, Steve. So we're going to give you your son congregation is going to give your son a car, but the issue is that he has to drive it this week on his own. No, it's just going to be a regular car, right? There's a problem with that. And there's a problem with the idea that we don't teach and train and raise our children to know. In this congregation, that is our goal, is to raise them to be adults in the faith, Okay, but as in the congregation that I grew up in, it was not the goal. It was to get them saved and get them to work. Well, a brand new Christian is the same as an infant. Okay, they don't have the knowledge, the um, experience, all of the things that come with it. As if your son, his legs are all of a sudden going to stretch and grow, and look, I can handle the car, and he can think through all the problems that are going to come up, and he can. Um, Go before him and go, oh, no, this car is going to do this, so I need to do this, right? Doesn't have it. He's got to take time, and he's got to do other things, and he's got to train and learn responsibility and learn how to think and learn how to take in information and disseminate that information so that he can make a good judgment. Same thing with with a, a believer. In Psalm 34, Starting in uh, verse 11, we see King David's instruction. And it says this, Come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Interesting that it's not just, I'm going to teach you what to do. I'm going to teach you what, how to set up for the service. I'm going to teach you how to um, walk. It's, I'm going to teach you the fear of the Lord who he is, who he should be to you. 
Who is the man who des- uh, desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good work. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are forward, are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers. To cut off the memory of them from the earth, the righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. David calls to the children to teach him. My sense is it's not only the children of the current child age, but I believe any age person who may be child in that faith and needing to know how to fear the Lord um, probably would sit and listen. Remember, the fear of the Lord means that we are to love and do His commands. How that happens many times is not when we're in church and the kids are over here. Bruce has said that for years. This setting is supposed to reinforce what we're doing at home, right? So what does that look like? Child comes in, because we monitor our kids, we watch and see what they're doing and what have you. Child comes in and is sitting in, and now we're in conversation. We're talking. Oh, what about this? Do you know what God says about this? Do you know why God says this about that you're not supposed to do or you're supposed to do? Okay? And over time, and that child experiences that, that um, those situations that these things come up, your words that God has provided for you, that you have learned and taught, go through, echo through their brains. And they practice. And they start making those decisions. And they stumble. And we're there to pick them up and re-guide them and put them back on track. Right? So that they can continue doing those things. And over a period of time, we get them in there understanding more scripture. They're understanding how scripture applies in life. Okay. They're hopefully will move way past what we understand. Teaching our next generation to fear the Lord is one of the, the biggest goals that we have in this congregation. One of our responses is seen in our praise time as, uh, as a witness we, here at the D.C., we acknowledge the thing that we see God doing in our lives, and sometimes that is through other people. King David also witnessed through praise. At the beginning of that chapter, it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make it its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us... Exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked at, uh, excuse me, they looked to him and were radiant. 
and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. O taste and see the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who uh, takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. The young lions, why do they lack? Why do they suffer and hunger? Because they haven't quite figured out how to catch their prey. Doesn't mean they starve. Means that they have to work harder and try harder and learn what is being taught to them. King David also witnessed through the praises of unto our God. As we grow strength in faith and obedience, we can do great and mighty things to affect those that are around us. I remember one of the times that I had spoke to heaven when I, when she was younger, um, not at the time living with us, but she came to me and said, I keep praying and praying, praying about something and God just doesn't hear me. She was seven years old. Where did she learn that she needed to be praying to God, talking to God? right, from us. But now we had to take her to the next step. Now I had to explain to a seven-year-old that sometimes God hears and He answers immediately. Sometimes He hears and postpones His answer because we're not ready for it. Sometimes He says no because maybe the thing that we're praying for isn't good for us. Not long ago, I was walked into Heaven's room, and I was kind of floored. I, I did not know this was going on. She was in a room, and she had her Bible out, and she had her pad out. I was just like, well, what's this? And she goes, oh, it's just notes I'm jotting. Can I look? She goes, yeah. Heaven has never wanted me to read anything of her stuff, by the way. So I open it up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going through it, and what did I find? The seven-year-old girl who was struggling with what to pray and how to pray and doing all these things is now at the age and maturity level that she's doing her own topical studies in Scripture. And she has, how do I deal with stress? And here's 20 different verses down here. And how do I do this? And I mean, it was just page after page after page, right? That's what we want. We want them to be able to take over in their life so that we step back and they keep moving forward. They keep training themselves and and having the skills. Okay, That's your goal for your son. To train himself ultimately because one day we won't be there. Hebrews 11.32 talks about uh, witnesses having done mighty and great things. Probably one of the greatest things we can do is appropriately train our next generation.
And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jabeth, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness they were made strong, became mighty in war, and put armies to flight. Women received back their dead through resurrection, and others by tortured and others were tortured, not accepting their release. Hey, if you just renounce God, we'll let you go. So that they, uh, they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword, and they, were, uh, and they went about in sheepskins, in goatskins. Not the best clothes that were available. They were destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. They suffered a lot. I look at our society and I wonder if our children can do that. If they're taught how it's okay to not be accepted by somebody. Or if the acceptance brings me mental stress that I break down and do what the other person wants me to do. Those are the kids I work with a lot these days. Therefore, since we have so great a a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you, so that all of us will not grow weary and lose heart, but we will have strength and move forward. Time will fail us all. We must step out in faith and obedience while time is with us. Bill Yoakum, love the Lord. 
And we still benefit from his belief and his desires of his heart and love. I am standing at one of the pieces right now. In conversation with Bill, the Ark of the Covenant was one of his heart's desires for years to be able to make that and to have people use it and learn about it and learn what it stands for. Bob Lambeth, sitting at his memorial services, and I knew Bob, and I went sailing with Bob, and we talked about a lot of different stuff. But sitting at his memorial services, I did not know to the extent of his service and accomplishments in the obedience of the Lord. There is a Lambeth wing at Cal Baptist. Never put two and two together for some reason. Just didn't make sense that this was the man who provided to make sure that that could keep going. He is a man of great faith, and he is a faithful man. Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to us. I know those two gentlemen did that. The witnesses in here did that. Were they perfect at it? No. I know most of us struggle to do that. And struggling to do that is a good thing. It means we're trying. Scripture references two witnesses in the future. Or a few witnesses in the future. I have to say that this reference could be our future to some generations down the line to us. So it could be us, could be now, could be several generations now. This is why obedience and training of the generations to follow is so vitally important. Looking in Revelation chapter 7. Starting at verse 9, it talks about these witnesses. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count. We're not talking a few. We're talking thousands, millions. From every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and plain or, and palm branches, were in their hands, and there and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, "Salvation to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb." And all the angels were standing around um, the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying. Amen, blessed and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These are clothed, um, these who are clothed in the white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread out His tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more. Nor will they, the sun, beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb is in the center of the throne, will be their shepherd, and will guide them uh, to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So, great multitude, the witnesses are, a great multitude, no one can count, from every nation, tongue, tribe. They have suffered greatly, even unto death. But in this life, sometimes suffering is, dying is easier than suffering. They hungered. They were thirsty. They had no comfort, physical comfort. And they were sorrowful. And it, I would not be surprised that all the witnesses endured, uh, that it talks about in the Hebrew passage, I believe these witnesses will suffer. All the witnesses in, in Scripture, those we have known, those who come after us, testify to our great motivation and our great hope, to the race that we run. Revelation 21, 1-4 through states this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth, and the, uh, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready for a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. That is our hope. That is our motivation. It's to be in the presence of the Lord forever and for all eternity. That was the witnesses throughout the Bible. They wanted to please God. And they taught those in obedience who followed them. Going down to verse 22 in, 20, in uh, chapter 21. It says, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sum of the... Uh, of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God has illumined it. And its lamp is the lamb. The nations will walk by the light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed and they will bring the glory of the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those 
whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding it for every month. And the leaves of the tree were uh, for the healing of the nations." There will be no longer any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. Those are the ones that were born in the tribulation, or that were killed in the tribulation. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have any need of light. of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. I believe knowing human nature and working with many different individuals with many different backgrounds that many would fall away or they would be able to ach- or they would not be able to achieve very much if not, God had not put the lives of the witnesses to drive us forward to help us believe that we can achieve what's next We're going to close with Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in God's commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings, His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear. Until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. The Lord is our hope. He is our strength. That we may endure till the end the race that he has set before us. And we may teach the same to our children and their children. And so on. Let's pray.